into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating our citizens as less than human. God damn America. All right, workers, rise up. It's one of possibly one of the biggest strikes in recent history, maybe happening. Holy shit. Is it miners? Is it factory workers? People swinging large hammers at pipes in that factory where Freddy Krueger pulls you to in your dreams where smoke and steam is flying everywhere? No, it's like gophers and stuff. Um, do you work in film is your job to do a lot of labor that goes unseen on films like getting coffee for crazy egomaniacal people or stitching together scripts or editing well guess what you are the new uh it's vanguard no it's you're probably the, not it. you're the vanguard <laughs> yeah i have you guys... so many questions about the freddy krueger factory i just watched I just watched whoa same <laughs> Last oh, night, weird. I watched what Nightmare on Elm Stream. Maybe, yeah, he coordinated this somehow. Because it looks dream. like a factory that just makes flames. Yeah. Or just striped shirts. <laughs> he, I was wondering this the whole time I was watching it, which is why does he always bring you to this factory? Like, it's unexplained. But I think it's the fa- it's the factory. So the backstory of Freddy, Freddy Krueger is that he was a gardener at a school. Spoiler alerts, by the way for this million year old movie it, but he was also a pedophile he's also the parents a pedophile. in the town found out he was a pedophile they chased him down the street into a factory and then he locked himself in and they couldn't get set him. it on fire set it on fire and that's, and that's why, why he, he looks like that and that's why he's burned and that's also why he lives in your dreams in like an industrial video or whatever like right. honestly Take the scenes from Freddy Krueger where he's like killing you in the factory and change the music to just like everybody dance now. It looks just like the 90s. What person the dancing in front of the silhouette oh, of a man, man, man. I think oh, the, uh, like the Marky I, Mark video. Yeah, I see what you know. I think the factory thing is actually a commentary on deindustrialization because uh, it was it came out in the 80s. So that's what I think that they're trying about. to say that factories are for pedophiles. Yeah, definitely. Freddie worked. He voted for Trump because he works in a factory and you, he's uh, the first Reagan Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. What are we talking about today? What is IATSE and why are they possibly going on strike soon? What's the story? First of all, welcome to the show. IATSE is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, Moving Picture Technicians, artists, and allied crafts of the United States, its territories, and Canada, or IATSE for short. Um, cool. Are you in the Pacific Islands making costumes for YouTube? You should join IATSE. And the story seems to be, if I am understanding, that conditions on the the level of uh, that work where you're getting paid minimum wage increasingly got worse, especially given the shift to streaming 
and the last year of the pandemic and et cetera, crisis and so on and so forth, resulting in uh, the, de- the the demand for collective action, eh? It's my understanding here? it's always been bad, but that it did suddenly get worse with COVID stuff because it like stopped and started the production schedules. But we'll get into it. People were risking their lives, as we, we will learn from our guests, our All union right. member guests. Well, that's what we're talking about today. And yes, let's intro the show. I'm Jake Flores. Alex Patak is here. Rise up. Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Um, we're talking about film today. Ayatsi, uh, theatrical, stage work, PAs, all the, the like. The silver screen. Um, yeah. Um, how the fuck does this David Simon thing yeah, Andrew's, factor into this? Well, let's why, say, why do you hate David Simon so much? It's a related sector. Um, a lot of people have been sort of, uh, you, you know, the, the film and television industry is heavily unionized, but there are a bunch of different unions. And IATSE is for, um, you know, the people we just described. But there are other unions, such as the WGA, which just had elections recently, WJE. Uh, East. Writers Guild of America. That's right. And they represent writers. And uh, David Simon, um, friend of the show, has From been- The Wire. That's right. The guy who wrote The Wire and Homicide, Life on the Street. Um, he's a WJ, WGAE member. And there was just a big election that they had. And uh, an actual friend of the show, another David, Bradley Eisenberg, um, was filling me in on this because he's sort of um, adjacent to the union. And basically, uh, you know, as we'll talk about, IATSE is a, a very big union. So this is going to be a huge deal if they go on strike. Tens of thousands of people. WJ, WGAE, I don't know why I have such trouble saying that, is six sixty four hundred people. And 1,700 of, of those just joined within the past couple of years. Uh, why is it such a small number? Because it's just people who have made it in screen and television writing, which is not a lot of people. Um, so the big hot button issue there is do we expand? And and recently they have been doing that. They've been saying, you know what, writers uh, are, are comes in all kinds of uh, stripes. They write in all kinds of mediums. It shouldn't just be film and TV writers. Stripes like be- Freddy Krueger. Go on. Right. Go on and so on and so forth. Yeah, it, it should be uh, digital media writers. So they've been organizing newsrooms, right? And David Simon doesn't like this. He thinks that's bad because newsroom people should join the newspaper guild. They should join a different union. What is the reason for that? Uh, he just he just thinks they should be separate. He can't really explain why. Um, he thinks it's going to wear the union thin. But again, it's that a motherfucker f- worked at a newspaper. He made right. season five of The Wire about it. He's addicted to the newspaper. Yeah, but he thinks that should be a, a different thing. He's like, did go join another union? Uh, and it's it's very much a a purely a sort of um, superiority thing, right? The television and film writers see themselves as different from news people. But if you if you're going to have a successful union that has a larger capacity, you need more members, and that's what people have been saying. Uh, and that is what the so this is very funny. There were two competing slates. There were his 
There was his slate, the inclusion and experience slate, and the solidarity slate, which included other cool people like Josh Gondelman, uh, Kim Kelly, people like that who were like, let's expand. You need, We need more money. We need more members. It's as simple as that. We need more density. Um, let's organize digital media. Because like, where's the dividing line? Where does like news web content become television versus like streaming as we'll get into has changed the whole game. Uh, and so his slate lost, but they won the presidency of WJAE and he won his seat. But the Solidarity Slate won a majority. So now David Simon is going to have to sit on a council with a bunch of people he's been calling, you know, a pulchritudinous fuckwat on Twitter uh, for the past, like, couple of years. Because he'll fight with anyone. If you're listening at home, it is very important that you understand. Two-thirds of this podcast is blocked by David Simon on Twitter. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> they cannot access his statements except through me or secret alternative accounts. <laughs> yeah, I have a burner account open right now so we can read david simon because he's insane and he's one of those stupid old white guy libs that curses at you with a thesaurus and thinks that it makes a really great impact when he calls you a twatness twat waffle of space you son Um, of a bitch thank you for bringing us idris elba yeah i know right crazy um yeah, okay, cool. That makes sense. That I think the WGAE should pay a better W-A-G-E. You know what I'm oh saying? Oh, my yeah. God. That's what I think about all this. Um, this is such great radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that's that's the setup to what... that All of that is, is to say a, that was a setup for a Twitter meltdown that we're going to read that he's having. Is that what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was a, a little bit ago, I think before the election, uh, after which he's going to have to sit around <laughs> on a council with a bunch of people he has publicly uh, ridiculed and who, who just embarrassed himself trying to argue with. Okay, I'm going to have to read this sort of going backwards through all the – because he's doing the thing where he quote tweets our friend David Bradley Eisenberg a bunch of times. So the first thing that happens is David Simon says, and that raw fact will be true no matter who wins the election. Address this now with all of us choosing the best path or don't. But if you don't, it's coming nonetheless. And then Eisenberg goes, David, thank you for negating your distant and hypothetical argument. One of the first things my journo shop did when we got recognized was stand up for screenwriters. What empirical evidence do you have for any of your predictions? David Simon, you want it to be the one way, but it's the other way. And unless this is addressed by all of us now, by a solution on which we can all agree, there will not be a solvent and separate WGAE. It's like you're fighting the Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. And then and then David Eisenberg went, if you lose, go to WGAW and nobody follows you. Will you quote your own show to yourself. Oh, I guess he was quoting one of his yeah. own shows. Okay. They're yeah, I think it's uh if you think it's one you think it's one way but it's the other way. Which is a great excellent line, of course. Uh from the wire. That's, yeah, it's from the wire. <laughs> and uh yeah, he's quoting his own work. Someone that asked him sucks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you got a fight with George Lucas and he was like Use the force. <laughs> <laughs> that is Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. <laughs> what about Dirty Dancing Havana Syndrome? Is everyone? Hey. Hello. 
It, it's never been done. If you're listening at home, don't do it because it is our idea and we're going to do it. So you can't do it. Um. All right. Well, is there anything more to this David Simon thing or are we just having a good laugh at him? being? We're just having a good laugh. Yeah. Long story short, uh, better, more members, the better. D- uh, the fucking UAW is is uh, organizing grad students. So I think uh, the WGA is going to be OK if a website or two joins uh, or a bunch of websites. That, that would be a very good thing. And uh, the, so and just to explain, the threat here was that he was going to leave uh, WGA East and join West. And so far, he hasn't done that. And again, he's going to be trapped in a room with these people trying to hammer out uh, contracts and negotiations and things. That's right. With unions, when it comes to new members, much like cats in the winter, they're cold, you're cold. Let them in. Yeah, there you go. This reminds me of something that happened in Texas when I was like uh, trying to get comedians to be included into this like it wasn't even a union it was just this fund that you can get health insurance for being a musician with and they totally pulled the same shit where they were like no why don't you just make your own and you're like fuck you man like who does this even serve if it's not actively trying to include more people you know look just because you made the wire you're trying to make my life more difficult yeah well done uh, and with that said, it's time to go to our patented experts of the uh, upcoming strike. What will possibly. be the stakes? Before, upcoming possible strike. Before you listen to this interview we did, you must understand there was a buzz saw going off in the background behind Alex Patak because someone's sawing a tree down. That's what that sound is. A I think buzz- they're working on a porch. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just assumed, but there's a buzz saw happening. Ignore it. It's just the sounds of. Well, no, it's yeah, it's it's part of the part of the theme of. It's the show. there on purpose, and there's nothing we can do about it. Just enjoy the saw, and with um, no further ado, enjoy the saw. And with the sound of the buzzsaw, we begin our labor interview. We're here now with Neda Devarpana, a writer and writer's assistant at the local 871 in the Yahtzee Union. Neda, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We just wanted to cover some basics of what is happening and what to feel about it. Question number one, how do you say the name of this union? That's a good question. You know, I've heard um, I've heard all different kinds of pronunciations of this. I say IATSE. I've heard people say IATSE. I've heard people say Yahtzee, like the game. So it's kind of like dealer's choice, I guess, whatever you want to call it. I like IATSE because it makes it sound like sort of like an update to iRobot, where uh, Yahtzee is a robot in the future and is on trial for something. Okay, there's a Yahtzee robot. I thought I liked Yahtzee because I thought it was a bunch of like dice rolling gambler types were unionizing, which I think would be a cool concept. Oh, what if professional gamblers unionized? Actually, Vegas would love that probably because they would go on strike and then the the casinos would be like, cool, don't come back. And Mm. that's one of the things we're going to get around to. Um, But what are, what are some basics we need to know about this strike? Um, Who is striking? What do they want? How should we feel about it at home? Um, yeah, I mean, if the if the demands are not met and this you know strike is not successful, we might all have to take up professional gambling. But <laughs> aside from that, everyone who so basically every 
many different below the line Hollywood workers are represented by IOTSE all over the country. This is specifically a fight between uh, several West Coast locals and the AMPTP for pretty reasonable demands, I would say, like a living wage for the minimum wage uh, for all workers, reasonable working conditions. Um, Like, for example, there's a lot of workers who are working 18 plus hour days with almost no notice in between when their last call time ends and when their next call time begins. So they don't have adequate rest and, you know, things like that. Like they're just asking for like the basic necessities that a worker would need to to do their job and to, you know, uh, to have like an adequate work-life balance and, and to be able to pay the bills. And so far, the negotiations have been ongoing for some time. But, you know, recently we all voted yes on the strike authorization. You know, these are it was a I think it was like 99 percent. Yes. And try getting 99 percent of people to say yes Mm, to anything. (laughs) So this is, you know, I can't. We are. Yeah. So um, the biggest thing is just that even if, you know, you're one of the lucky ones and you're not like directly implicated by any of this, we all understand that we're in this together. This is all the same fight. And when you say below the line workers, uh, what does that mean for people maybe who are not involved in the business? Sure. So um, it refers to really any workers who are not like, you know, above the line, below the line kind of refers to like, um, you know, writers, directors, actors would be like above the Mm -hmm. line. And, you know, the people who are like making the decisions, producers below the line. And, you know, I represents everyone from writers assistants and script coordinators, which is like my department in writers rooms to production accountants, to people who work in hair and makeup. It's really basically everybody who makes a production possible. Key grips, best boys, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that like writing is below the line, but, uh, well, not credited writers. Is that correct? So yeah, it's interesting. So the writers who are, you know, the writers of the episode are represented by the Writers Guild. And then the writers assistants who are also in the writer's room and the script coordinators who are looking at every draft of the script and make it possible to have, you know, every episode of the show are represented by IOTSE. So that's a bit of a divide within the same workplace. And that's, and I feel like a lot of people don't realize uh, how much, creative work a lot of the writers assistants end up end up doing i i've had friends who have done that and i don't want to name any name get names here get anyone in trouble david um, simon <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily not not david simon but there's a let's just say creator uh who relies very heavily on I mean, there's a lot who rely very heavily on writers' assistants to just write entire scripts, and they don't get any credit, don't get any compensation, is and without you know maybe getting yourself in trouble by exposing anybody. Uh, will this um, strike? Does that have any bearing on on that situation? Uh, possibly getting writers' assistants more credit, or just a clearer delineation of of the work that they're you're supposed to be doing. I feel like in general, when people are more empowered economically, which is, I think, what the biggest um, one of the biggest fights that the strike involves, I think then people will have more control over their own careers, which might lead to that. Like, for example, one of the biggest things with with uh, people in my local people who do what I do is just that since we don't earn a living wage for the work that we do we are not empowered to focus on our craft so much like we have to focus on getting that next gig. And so I feel like if, you know, the negotiations are successful and we don't have to strike or if we do strike and that's successful, 
then you'll see a lot of people maybe transitioning into, uh, you know, in the case of writer's assistants and script coordinators, maybe to join the Writers Guild, maybe they'll have the time and the finances to be able to take time off and work on their scripts, which currently a lot of us don't have. Mm. Right. Uh, one getting guess for this, and this may be controversial to say, but the one piece of advice I received was that grips are not funny. Do you have any comment on that? <laughs> wow. Shots fired. Um, it's, there's a lot of like kind of when I've been on sets, I've experienced a lot of sort of like gallows humor and like dark humor. So if you're into that, I feel like you might find them funny just because they're working such long hours and they're doing such like you know, grueling work a lot of the time. So they have to find ways to entertain themselves. Film is in this weird place because uh, the, the kind of like, if you're on a big shoot, the habitat that develops kind of feels like you're in a high school or something because you spend all of your time there. Like the, the regular thing people come to expect for an eight hour workday is not in the question. It's not even like up for debate on the strike if it happens now. We're just asking... Uh, from what I've seen, the demand is go to go from eight-hour turnaround, which is from when you get off work to when you have to be back at work, to a ten-hour turnaround. Like that's the big ask. Like there, people aren't asking to like get what every other job has, just due to the nature of the industry. So it's an extra two hours. Wow. It would be huge, though. I mean, that's an yeah. hour to get home, and then right. you can sleep. Hopefully, the correct amount. Yeah, it's really not even that much. And it's so funny because like um, I was watching Yahoo like finance like a video and I just looked looked up the Yahtzee strike in YouTube and watched some weird you know coverage on some heavily biased news outlet before this or whatever. And they're like um, their their way of explaining it was very much not from the point of view of the worker. It was from the point of view of the consumer. It was like. So tell us, are our movies going to get made so we can watch our little <laughs> movies in bed during our off time or whatever? When is the next like, Squid Game? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they talked about how the, the conflict is between um, so Ayatsi and this thing called the AMPTP. Yeah. Did I get that right? Can you tell us a little bit about what that the is? AMPTP. Um Basically, what is the AMPTP? It's the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Oh. So this is the people who are calling the shots and making the decisions. And they're the people who control basically everything that we're talking about, like the terms of our employment and how much we earn for the work that we do. And it's, you know, it's really like this is a fight between workers and bosses, you know, in the way that most fights are. And I think this really I'm actually glad that you brought that last point up about how people are. Uh, talking about this from the point of view of the consumer, because that was the big fight during the pandemic when so many productions had to continue even before we had a vaccine, when workers, especially on set, were put in literally life-threatening situations just so that people would get their shows when they expected them. So I think that's another reason why this is happening now, you know, because people are finally like, I'm not going to take this anymore. Yeah, I, I noticed that everyone was put back to work in like June of 2020, which seems like awful early considering the scope of the entire pandemic and everything. Yeah, I think um, and it seemed to be justified on the basis of, uh, well, because of the, the way things have shifted to streaming, the, the it's like required that we just squeeze everyone this much harder. I guess something I, I thought was interesting reading about this was that there it seems like way, way back when the streaming stuff started, there was like a um 
a question in the air of like, well, when this eventually becomes the standard, like streaming over, you know, physical media and stuff like that, uh, are we eventually going to set regulations in place? And it hasn't really happened yet. And then COVID like catalyzed a lot of this stuff, especially the, the jump to streaming being super normalized with like movies coming out on HBO Max and stuff like that. So I guess what I'm asking is like, how, yeah, how's the pandemic play into all of this? Yeah, that's another important point, too, to bring up the streaming point, because, you know, with people's reliance on these streaming services, the question of um, workers being compensated accordingly, like where they used to be compensated with like residuals and things like that. That's not really happening with streaming. Like it's it's really that's even a fight that the Writers Guild is having. You know, it's like how much are we being compensated for? For the work that we do when people, you know, watch things over and over again on Netflix, you know, whereas like when something airs like in a rerun or a show gets syndicated, like you would get a check in the mail. And so that's another thing that IATSE is focused on for the workers that are involved in in streaming projects. It's like, you know, how does their uh, how does their pay correlate to writers who are or, or not writers, but workers who are on, you know, network shows or more traditional types of media, because it's always, you know, these these uh, streaming services are making so much money, but they're trying to squeeze out as much as possible from the workers without adjusting accordingly. Like we're making you millions upon millions of dollars. This is not like new media anymore. So it's just about like recognizing that. Hmm. So from what I've seen, uh, so there is no strike yet. It's just the authorization has passed. So uh, mm -hmm. discussions are going on right now. From what I was reading, I read something in, in some high-profile newspaper. I don't, I don't remember if it was the New York Times or some other uh, thing, but uh, it, the coverage was like, it's going pretty well. No need to be alarmed about your little shows. Uh, <laughs> are you optimistic that the demands are going to be met on this? It's a really big threat, 60,000 striking workers. So uh, mm. if I were on the other side, I would probably just give you what you want. Uh, I think, yeah, if we did strike... It would it would halt every production. It would halt almost every production that's ongoing right now. It would halt future productions from going on. It would halt any you know writers' room production office physical production that's going on. So it would have huge implications for the industry. Do I think that the demands are going to be met? I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic just because I know how much of a fight it is to get adequate working conditions and pay for workers in any industry, you know, from, you know, you had the writer's strike to you had the teacher strike. So there's so many different, you know, people who are, are just fighting for like decent conditions that it doesn't seem like those demands are being met until they, I don't know, speak the language that the people can understand, which is often the language of action. And mm -hmm. so I feel like that might be the case, but I do also see a lot of key players in the industry standing up for IATSE and voicing their support because they don't want the strike to happen uh -huh. either. So. so do you think the strike is more likely than not at this point? You know, I don't know if I'm informed enough to say I'm not at the negotiating table. So I can't really get a sense of like, you know, really how it's going other than like the messages that we're all getting, which is like, keep calm and don't freak mm. out. And, you know, so aside from that, I'm not entirely sure what the next step is. I just know that, no matter what happens, we're ready to stand with each other. A bunch of the guests we've had on here before have been PAs. I've done PA work. Uh, 
in the Alex Press article in the New York Times that came out today, the article begins with a, a guy who's in the union now, and it starts with, uh, as a PA, he would work 40 hours straight with no room of advancement or whatever. And then it'll quickly jump to, but in the union, things looked better. Is there ever any talk of unionizing PAs? This is something you hear around every once in a while, but it's just with everybody else at the bargaining table right now, there has to be a lot of people who are like, how come I'm the one person excluded from this conversation? That's a, I'm really glad you brought that up. I started out as a PA before I became a writer's assistant. And back when I was not unionized, everything was so much worse. Mm. <laughs> so it's really like, yeah, I was thinking like the fight that they're having now. And then I was thinking back to like, you know, a year or so ago when I was a PA being like, well, my life is so much better now that I'm actually in the union. So the things that they're asking for now, like I wouldn't even have thought to ask for back then. It's like, you're just, you know, and it's, it's, I'll just say this, like when you're working in this industry, when you get started and these jobs are expecting you to have a degree from like a known film school, they expect you to have a place to live in LA. They expect you to have a car because as a PA, you're driving around all the time and they're paying you minimum wage, I don't know how they think that they're squaring that circle. It kind of seems like so. it's like an apprenticeship system. Like, look, we all had to do it. You do. You work as a PA for three years, and we ask you to pick up poison on the ground with your hands and hold up traffic, and uh, if you survive, we'll give you a better job later. <laughs> but that kind of, like, back-alley spit handshake agreement does not hold up in modern times, so it's like only a matter of time before this this falls apart some way. It also kind of reminds me of in like neoclassical economics, there's like this idea that a certain amount of people need to be unemployed as like the reserve army of labor, and that's like kind of almost how PAs are in the entertainment industry. Like you you all you have this sector of people that can you can always dump worse stuff onto them. So if you know, uh, and I, of course, support uh, IATSE, but if they are, if there are concessions, then there's a possibility that there's just going to be more uh, work and crap dumped off on on people who are not union. Well, yeah, you could go down true. a rabbit hole yeah. thinking about that, though, and then go, well, okay, you know, what if we work this out to where it includes PAs, but then it pushes the surplus reserve thing out into just workers in other fields that then serve as the moat that you swim through to get yeah. into film work and stuff like that and it, you follow that rabbit down the hole eventually you're just going to come to a conclusion that is we're not allowed to say on the podcast yeah yeah no like i think in all basically all situations uh more unions are good and hopefully that this will you know, have a galvanizing effect on the industry at large. And like, uh, you know, I, we've we've known people who have tried to start organizing PAs. And I think just having strikes or the threat of strikes gets people in that position to, to see their own power, you know. So I think it's a good thing. Right. This is exciting, not just because like we're tangentially in media. Having a podcast is a form of media. That's cool. I've worked at a film set. The strike is cool for that reason. But I mean, the real reason this is exciting, there aren't that many big unions left in America. For a union of 60,000 people to threaten a strike is like one of the big plays we got left. Uh, hopefully get some kind of energy going off the ground here. How do people feel about it on the ground? Like, uh, how's the, the state of the men? 
Yeah, I mean, people are, this is, this is an exciting thing, like you mentioned, because not only is this one of the last large unions that really exists, but this is a completely unprecedented thing in, in entertainment in Hollywood, like this would be one of the largest and most disruptive strikes that the industry has ever seen if it does happen. And so, you know, I'm also involved in DSA and Hollywood labor, and there's a lot of crossover with IOTC members. Um, and people are, people are, you know, excited about the demands being met, or they're excited about showing action to stand up for themselves and to stand up for their colleagues and their fellow workers. And either way, this, I think is a good thing in terms of, like you were saying, a galvanizing effect and like, you know, just showing people that you can ask for better conditions, you can demand better, which we haven't done before. And, you know, for people who are just starting out or people who are not in the union, I think this is something that they can see where they can be like, oh, these people are demanding better for themselves. So I can too. And, you know, in a collective way, not in this like weird individual way of like, oh, know your worth. But it's like, yeah, we all collectively can know our worth. <laughs> yeah, this alongside whatever we get past of the pro act happening at once is a little handshake. I hope it uh, mm, I hope yeah. it works out. Um, any last questions we want to get to before we round this out? Um, I have a question. If the strike happens, how am I going to watch my little shows? How is this going to affect my little shows <laughs> that I need to pass the time while I'm working from home during the unending pandemic? Uh, maybe this is a great, I think if the strike happens, I mean, I think a lot of people might turn to their little podcasts. <laughs> right, right <laughs> into our hands. Unless we go on strike. Or, right. We are We've not authorized. Anders, if you PAs strike, somehow. I'm sending Pinkertons <laughs> to your house. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we're going to leave it there for now. Netta, thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find you? Um, you can find me on uh, my website, which is nettadavarpana.com. That is N-E-D-A-D-A-V-A-R-P-A-N-A-H.com. There you can find some uh, writing that I've done, my acting that I do. You can follow me on social media, which is all linked through my site. Great. We all got to go to this site. This is a wonderful place. <laughs> it's a one-stop shop. Yeah. <laughs> thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Usually when I do my podcast, I'm sending that message to people where they, they're like, ooh, I have to accept the recording. And I was just on the other end of it. So it was really just a nice role reversal. How does it for me. feel waiting in the waiting room? No agency. I feel like, uh, I know, I feel like undercover boss. Mm. Ah. <laughs> but like a lot less toxic, I think, than yeah, that. They should do an undercover boss with Dave Portnoy to he inspects all the Barstool Sports podcasts. Mine. Oh, is that who that is? I was like, I don't, I don't even know who that. They have is. him pretending that, that makes sense. to you. You call him daddy, but it's like just a joke to him Ugh. for him to even be daddy I'm not for a second. Him, period. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no interest Gross. in Marcel. <laughs> Not my brand. Well, we're going to cut Not that my... out. They're kind of a big part of our listenership. Yeah, but... uh, we're back in the <laughs> really? show. They're our sponsor. Really. <laughs> They're our sponsor. Um, oh, hilarious. Yeah. Oh, well, it's hey, that whole like one no podcast sponsoring another that's so popular these right. days. It's a mentorship well, program. Hey, well, no one's you know who's not us. Union Barstool Sports, but you know who is? 
Ayachi, which is a union. Our wow. Good point. That's Look how we're that. starting this. Seamless. <laughs> yeah. Andrews has decided no more banter. I'm segueing <laughs> us into the thing we're talking about. <laughs> I just I just saw it and I picked it up and turned it into one of my famous segues. Okay. No one can blame you. <laughs> You're doing a really good job. Here to talk about the nitty-gritty of life in the Yahtzee world, we have host of the Straight Guys podcast, famous comedian Kate Zazowski. Welcome to the show. Wow, famous comedian. I've never been introed like that with also a saw in the background. The saw is just, really... I can't do anything about it. There's going to be a saw today <laughs> because it's the labor right. episode. Right. That may, it we're makes on sense. the set of sure. Saw 7, and that is the saw. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be more than that by now. Yeah. Are there only seven? I think it's on the uh, seven. 11. Is it, is, is it really? Is Chris Rock going to be know. in all of them from now know. on? Is he like tied to the to the franchise? He was, was the latest one? one. Yeah, he plays a cop. He was the star. He's a, he's a cop oh, who wow. hates being murdered. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I got to catch up. I'm so far behind. I think I've only seen the first five. Oh. Wow. Only <laughs> the first five. What are you doing with your life? Slacking, there are saws clearly. to see out there, and you need to see those saws. And that's why we are podcasting about the film industry today. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. I can't segue as well as Anders. Um, what the hell are we talking about, boys and non-boy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Famously, a non-boy <laughs> uh, host of the Straight Guys podcast. Uh, Kate is a writer's assistant. We wanted to talk about what it's like being a writer's assistant and how much they let you sleep. For sure. So I would say writer's assistant job, at least in my experience, it's less the, the lack of sleep problem. I think that's more crew members who are actually on set, um, camera ops, lighting, grips. I'm not usually on set. So for me, it's more of a wage issue usually. Mm. Um, but I also, of course, want the crew members who are working these 16 hour shifts uh, to have longer shifts. That is insane. And a lot of them don't get lunch breaks. It's it's madness, you guys. It is absolute chaos. As I think I'm on the record for this podcast. If you pass a film crew, there's no way of knowing who can get access to the crafty table. So you should steal from those <laughs> if you can. Uh, that's the way they're eating lunch, and it's the way you should be eating lunch. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, so that's uh, that's a huge deal is that, you know, a lot of these, like, camera workers – lighting people, they're not allowed to take a break to eat from said crafty table. So there are simply fruit snacks just sitting there uneaten. How do they they throw a lot of them away? And it's a big fucking disgrace. Oh, God. Like, have you ever seen, like, an entire table of pineapple just thrown into a dumpster? Because it's upsetting. (laughs) God. What set are you on where there's pineapple? I was working on SpongeBob. (laughs) <laughs> is it a porn? Is it a porn set? Because they want the ejaculate oh, to taste Pineapple good. Express is the answer. I'm sorry, oh. we're all wrong. Ah, okay. <laughs> he lives in the pineapple under the sea. They had to throw in the trash, <laughs> and then well, it that's... goes into the sea. We were actually filming it. It was a great use of pineapple. That's disturbing because there's a massive homelessness crisis in the Los Angeles area. Really, and just tossing away food that could be given to people who need it. Um, but everybody needs food, obviously. How do people on set who don't have time to eat, how do they do they just like wolf stuff down uh, when no one's looking or like how, how is it even done? Good question. Actually, um, this was one of the issues that came to the front recently. So basically, IATSE in these current negotiations, they are arguing for three 
uh, main main issues, and that's a living wage, reasonable rest, and um, it basically the way we're paid with streaming because the studios are arguing that streaming is still a quote experiment and they still don't know how to make money uh, via streaming, huh. which is very funny because I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> a lot of these shows on streamers are winning Emmys yeah. and are some of the most popular shows on TV right now. Um, so they are just paying unbelievably low wages on these shows, which is obviously absurd. So um, where was I going with this? What was the question? How do they eat? How do so, they eat? When, um, when IATSE came forward with these issues, the studios came back and said, well, you know, actually, uh, we we haven't made a lot of money during COVID. So we're going to take those issues and say no, but we are going to take away the penalties for when you miss a meal break. So right now they, they don't even lose money if um, that that's what the studios are coming back and saying. We're not going to lose any money if we don't pay our crew. So when do they eat? I guess on the drive home, on the way there and on the God. drive home. In the bathroom, maybe? I don't know. It's absurd. It's insane. Um, people will drive home and die because they haven't had enough sleep and they'll just get in a car accident. That's or what, maybe that's they're happened. eating and driving, which is not illegal, but is bad driving etiquette. Yeah. yeah, I will say one time I spilled Hawaiian food all Hawaiian over food. myself while driving. So that is Could true. be a worse type of yeah. food to spill on yourself. Wait. Of- it was terrible. The word of the day over- <laughs> is pineapple. <laughs> yeah. What is this? An improv show? Improv 101? Uh, truly pineapple chunks all over the front of my Corolla. I can't believe so. we're eating pineapple on 9-11. Oh, <laughs> I just um, hilarious. Improv. <laughs> yes. And I'm running in front of the podcast. Ending the scene. <laughs> I have a gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to do an improv, right? Yeah. Thing. Unless you're Michael um, Scott, which is okay, such a what, So they have they they say they um haven't made money yet from the streaming, but they're certainly spending a lot of it on all kinds of things. But yes. living wage not considered as an expenditure, I guess. Like yes, they what's, <laughs> they yeah they think they can pay crews. So I. In my jobs, um, so I live in L.A. where the cost of living is very high. I've worked on shows where I make 600 a week to be a full-time writer's assistant. And this is like more than eight hours a day. Like I'm there from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. some days. Um, and $600 a week is not okay. So I, every job I've had while I've been out here, I've always had multiple side jobs, multiple side hustles. But for people with families and kids, I, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Because also you have to remember, these shows are not, we're not on gigs 52 weeks out of the year. Some shows might be a few weeks long. Some might be a few months long. Um, so we're not even getting minimum wage over the course of a whole year. The crazy right. thing about it too, and we were talking about this before you came on, is like people will kill somebody to be a writer's assistant. Like they're covered oh, in yeah. jobs. It is a hard job to get, but it pays shit. <laughs> right. What other, like, and, I, I I have a, like, medium idea of why it's hard to be, like, a set worker when you're on set. Like, what are the downsides to being a writer's assistant people don't know about? The downsides. I mean, the pay is a huge one. Um, the, another big thing is just that you are an assistant. So even though writer's assistant is thought of as, like, the jumping point 
to a staff writer where you start making the big bucks. Um, when you are a writer's assistant, you are still very much looked down upon, um, talked down to sometimes emotionally and mentally abused, mm. <laughs> um, just treated in, um, not so great ways by sometimes the showrunners, sometimes some of the upper level writers. I'm lucky that a lot of the writers I've worked with have been incredible and are still some of my friends today, but there's a lot of unchecked power uh, that can happen. And I have not technically been a script coordinator. Well, I kind of was on one show. They just didn't title me that funnily. Well, is that uh, a did thing? not pay me for it. Do you, oh, do you do yes. a lot of work that you're just technically doing the person yes, above yes, the yes. lines work and Yes, yes, yes. That happens all the time on these huge shows. They're pinching pennies, trying to get away with as much as they can. Um, But I have not been a script coordinator on a scripted show. And they, a lot of times, have to stay up till all hours of the night waiting for the writers to send them the script so that they can distribute it to the rest of the crew. So sometimes they're up till 2, 3 a.m. on any day of the week, just waiting till they can send that script out. Damn. Yeah. Let's go back to food for a second. I keep reading about this <laughs> meal penalty thing. Like instead of giving you time off for lunch, they can give you like a weird stipend for. No. So the meal penalty situation is normally the studios would have to pay a penalty if they don't give crew a meal break at a certain time. But studios were saying we're going to take that away because we haven't made enough money during COVID. Um, so we're not going to negotiate you. We're actually negotiate with you. We're actually going to fuck you over more. Oh, yeah. That which is a huge like reason a, this strike might be happening. That seems like a totally fair thing to cut out of the budget. Fuel <laughs> for humans to exist. If I didn't, and it's really if I didn't get oh, lunch, I'm just saying, like, no matter how much penalties are happening, I would probably be upset forever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. It, it was almost like um, a symbolic middle finger more than anything mm. i think but uh it was i think it was a really bad move on their part because a lot of the way the tr- the crews in hollywood are treated i don't think most of the public knows i think a lot of the public is still under the impression that oh if you work in hollywood like you're very privileged you make a lot of money um but things like this where it's like oh we're not even giving our crew members food like that's that's a real nugget of news a real um, intense headline that any person would be shocked by and horrified by. So I think the studios are really screwing up, basically. Um, it's sad. It's sad to watch them do it. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems like yeah, there's this, like, like, I think we've touched on this a couple of times already today, but like the, there's like, cause you do get people when you're on the road doing stand-up and you're in mm. a state where Hollywood doesn't exist, you know, and they're like, oh, well, I somebody will tell you, I wish I could move to New York or LA and go work in movies. Oh, boo-hoo, cry me a river about working. Yeah, it seems whatever. so glamorous to people. Yeah. But it's really only glamorous if you're one of the, the top head honchos. Well, I guess what I'm getting at is that somebody might say, like, well, you know, you're complaining about how hard the job is, but it's a job you don't necessarily need to be working and et cetera. Um, And of course it's going to be that hard to get into a job where the payoff is something as glamorous as, you know, the the Mm -hmm. lottery that you're trying to win, getting to the top and getting that staff writer's job or whatever. But that doesn't mean that this is fair or set up in a way that is economical at all. And also more and more, 
um you know th this is becoming what our economy is like we don't really make mm -hmm. shit anymore we just make fucking movies and stuff like that and um and it, it like i guess what i'm getting at is there is this like internship kind of nature to it where yes. everyone just like sh shakes their finger at you and goes well you know, you have to live in your car and or be born rich or whatever in order to make it through this because that's fair. And at the, the end of the day, it's like, well, that argument doesn't make any sense. It just, right. It's not fair at all. It just is no. up a certain way. And I, I hate that mentality because I've worked on many shows, um, some where the showrunners were abusive, some where there were casting couch scenarios, somewhere. Um, I'm sorry, what is it? Casting couch was, scenario? You have to. Do you not know? Uh, I'm asking on listeners. behalf of people who may who may not. On behalf of listeners, yeah. <laughs> so that's a situation where um, someone at a higher level offers a position on a show or movie um, in exchange for sexual favors. Oh, that's what it. Okay. This is a category of porn, Anders. See where I'm. Where I come from, they call that a cast. <laughs> they call that a casting uh, bed scenario. They call it right. They do things proper oh. back in the heartland. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That sounds a lot more um, morally sound, I think. Well, but, so uh, there's a lot less confusion <laughs> when you go into cast for a part and they're like, welcome to my bedroom. Uh, we're going to be going over a lot of your lines. I hope you get <laughs> right it. on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, so all that to say, I um, have been in some very, very toxic work environments and I've been in some, great environments where the hours are fair and everyone is treated well. And guess what? At the end of the day, we make a TV show. We play pretend. We make something that people can watch and enjoy. So the fact that it's tolerated sometimes is bullshit because it's not necessary. Right. Yeah. If that. Right. And, makes and sense. right now, you know, Hollywood likes to sort of pitch itself as sort of the van, the cultural vanguard of like social justice, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, Obviously, representation and stuff like that is is important, but that it, is that kind of a uh, sheen uh, in that in some ways covers up a very exploitative um, industry. Um, I think so. I mean, I, I've met all different kinds of people in this industry. I've met great people. I've met terrible people. It's like anything. Mm -hmm. It's like you're never going to have all wonderful people or all terrible people, um, which. Yeah. Have you ever met so. the Grinch? Not yet. I would like to. Showbiz is all about meeting big figures like the Grinch. What what's the worst uh, event you've had happen to the you? The Grinch is a total in a, in a He's a total couch. casting couch guy. You don't want to get involved with that. <laughs> he's, he's slunking over to it. Yeah, I don't want to be involved Wait, with he's that. The he's, one, those fingers. he's the one giving the job or getting the job. He's from... he's just in charge. He's the Grinch. We all know who the he's Grinch is. He's clearly a creep. Look at him. Yeah, I don't know. People, yeah, don't there's some people who are there's some people are into that. I don't know. Yeah, he, who? No one is into the. I Grinch. mean, if it's I'm into any consensual. This activity, is a um, sex positive podcast. Sure. We're into consensual Grinching. If your thing is that one of you <laughs> dresses up like the Grinch and does that creepy smile at your partner, and but it's consensual, good for you. But right. Well, one is the Grinch, and the other one's the little dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you ride the Famously. little dog. <laughs> pull a sled full of. Oh, you pull a sleigh. I guess he never rides. Max. 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 The Grinch could bottom. Oh, the Grinch could bottom if he wants. And to. he would too, Very because skinny, but... he's always okay. taking conventions and flipping them. 
There you go. That thing where his mouth curls into a smile could work in either either way. <laughs> right. And this is big. Christmas is a. This is oh, yeah. this is bigoted of me to say, but I don't think anyone should have sex with the Grinch. I don't. I don't care what the situation is. It's popular. I remember last year there were all these um, drawings, sexualized drawings of the Grinch circulating online. Like people are into. Really I'm telling you, now. there is a. I am telling you, there's a big community. A sensual a, Grinch. People into him. I think it's um. I think it's something about the long fingers. Well, he's very I curvy. Mean, he does have a yeah. big dump truck. He is. Yeah, like his entire That's body true. is like the super S. I mean, if yeah, his, he is a fat his fingers are like that. Yeah, just imagine a green, hairy Bill Clinton. Yeah, ding dong. Also, like we root for him. He went through this big emotional journey. Right. And came out with a bigger heart. Right. I mean, heart. Who, who doesn't want to fuck yeah. that? You know? And now he can actually have sex without having a heart attack because before it was dangerous, you know, yeah. to get throttled. If your heart is too small, any cardio is kind of off limits right. for you. Yeah. If yeah. your heart has grown I mean, four sizes this year, ask your doctor whether Viagra is safe for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not the only thing you can grow four sizes if you catch my gift. And I do. Oh my, my candy cane. <laughs> <laughs> we have to make a Grinch porno where then it's like, and then it grew force and it does the whole. It, oh, you know that exists. I, sure 100% I mean, exists. the Who's, the Who's are very, they're made to be very attractive people. Are they? Is that well, true? In a, in a conventional sort of way. In a conventional sort of way. I did not sort of mean to bring up the Grinch for this long. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, discussion what? of Grinch over. <laughs> Tell us more about, uh, uh, I, what what is what's like one of the worst things you've seen on uh, at your job? Okay, so this is an insane story. It's it was not a writer's assistant job. I was a um, a PA, an office PA at this place, um, a popular production company, and this woman who was not the head of the company nor an executive. She was, I would say, like a mid level manager. Um, I'll call her Susan. So th- Susan was very pregnant and was very mean, uh. which. You know, I I, I get you're going through a lot, happen. but like, I'm not the one who got you pregnant. Don't take it out on me. Mm. You know? I Trust me, me and my girlfriend are trying. It's not right. it's not working. <laughs> uh, but Susan one day came up to me and was like, I need you to go on a run and do this errand for me. This wasn't that crazy. I did lunch runs, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, sure. She was like, I am going to my nephew's birthday. He's four years old and I need wrapping paper. I need two different kinds of wrapping paper. They need to be dinosaurs, Disney or trucks. So I was like, okay. She was like, go to the Rite Aid nearby. Um, So I go to Rite Aid and I look for these two kinds of wrapping paper. The only Disney they have is princesses. She said it was a boy. I was kind of following gender roles here. I was like, I don't think she'd want this. So I got the next best thing. I got Paw Patrol and Emoji. Emoji birthday. Big with boys. Everyone loves it. Huge with boys. Yeah. Everyone. Emoji movie. Huge deal. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. We love it. So I, I go back to the production company and I offer that to her. And she says, I asked for dinosaurs, Disney or trucks. Yeah. And I said that they, they didn't have that. She said, go somewhere else. So I proceeded to go to eight different places. This took hours looking for these two specific kinds of wrapping, not even a gift. This wasn't even the gift for a four-year-old. It was the wrapping paper <laughs> to cover a gift. This happened years ago. And I swear to God, dinosaurs, Disney or trucks is burned into my brain. I will never forget this. And I just remember driving around in LA traffic from like one Rite Aid to another, to a party city, to a fancy wrapping 
paper store, just thinking, where have I gone wrong in my life? How how has Susan taken a hold of my life in this manner? Right. <laughs> where, <Right. laughs> I, clearly, there must be something better for me to do than drive around for hours looking for dinosaurs to sneer trucks. Yeah. But I did finally find them um, at two two separate locations. Um, and all was well. Lord. I guess. Presentation I is so key. And that's something you learn in this industry. Yeah. It was just, it was such a silly, stupid waste of time. When and you went to the, the fancy uh, like wrapping paper place, were they like, dinosaurs, yes! get out of here? No, they had <laughs> dinosaurs. I got dinosaurs from, from that place, but they did not have Disney or trucks. So then I had to go to another place to get the. Of course they did. So there were two different, three different papers you had to get. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, God. two different kinds. Jeez, I bet yeah. I might get in trouble for saying this, but I bet she did she play the special needs parent card? Was she like, my son will have a meltdown if it's not one of these three? He's on the spectrum. It wasn't for her son. It was for a nephew. Oh, nephew. For nephew okay. Everything is out the window now. Nephews yeah. do not get special wrapping paper. You do not go this hard for your sister's kid. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you don't. That's you someone don't. else's child. I don't know. And they don't care. I know. I will go on record and say yeah, I hate that child. <laughs> and that child grew up to be uh, Harvey Weinstein. The Grinch. <laughs> the Grinch. Yeah. The Grinch. The Grinch safer than Harvey. <laughs> um, That's yeah, what, so I, what would you do if the hmm. Grinch had taken all of the, the those kinds of wrapping paper? You would find the don't answer that top. Wow, we really connected <laughs> that beautifully. Uh, it's it's like it was all planned. That's kind of yeah. That's gorgeous. That was a herald. It it seems like a lot. Uh, the base of every problem in this entire industry is the uh, like master apprentice system. The entire thing is under where whoever is one rung above you on the ladder has the control of life or death over your entire personality. Right. Oh yeah, it's fully t- so many power trips. Uh, which, you know, you can partially blame on the system, you can partially blame on the individuals, but I think the system should be used more to regulate said individuals because people are out here just being crazy. And well, also, like, <laughs> to make a galaxy can't. brain anti-capitalist point about this, it just seems like everyone is sort of pulling the ladder up behind them as they s- scramble upwards into the more coveted seats like the writers staff writing jobs we're talking about and stuff like that and the getting above the line or whatever mm-hmm. so the only real way to get around that classically is like collective action right organizing because no Absolutely. no individual Absolutely. pa or whatever is going to have power to start that conversation um mm-hmm. so this yes. is probably an go ahead well, I was just going to briefly say, like, it is kind of b- bizarre because it is so much about power in a very arbitrary way, whereas, like, with most jobs, boss- bosses are ruthless and evil and mean, but it's about efficiency, right? It's because they're not doing the job mm-hmm. efficiently enough, and they are trying to get you to that point to extract as much fucking, you know, labor as they can out of you, whereas here, it's just, compl- like, the the wrong kind of wrapping paper. It's about whims and just absurd little things because it's you're making something that, it you know, in a sense, we all need, but we don't really need in the same practical way uh, as people need, like food or, you know, a house or stuff like that. Uh, I need the circle on Netflix. Right. <laughs> I don't know about you. I need my Bachelor <laughs> of Paradise. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Speak for yourself. Maybe yes, that's true. I will be reminded, um, you know, when this if the strike happens. 
how much things will be shut down and I won't get my, uh, it could happen. Yeah. It could happen in days. I, I don't know if it's going to happen um, after we voted. Uh, so there's 60,000 members in IATSE who were able to vote on the strike and 52,000 voted and uh, 98% of them said yes to authorize a strike. So now they're back at the negotiating table. And it sounds like if it doesn't happen in a few days where they reach an agreement, we're going to strike. So it's never happened before. IATSE's never gone on strike in its 128 wow. years. I was really happy they let the Italian guy win that first season of The Circle because that that guy on the reality show, <laughs> Joey? he never wins. He never has what it takes to get to the, the winner's circle, but he just had such he a pure heart. I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. He's like trying to leverage his circle fame into like a career, and he like can't do it. And it's heartbreaking. We to actually, watch. Uh, Joey, we, we have a lot in common. We're from the same hometown. We're from Rochester. Oh my and then God. he. He worked at this, um, I think Joey's straight, but he worked at this gay bar in Studio City where they would do line dancing. It closed during a, a pandemic, which was heartbreaking to Bastards. me. Um, I know, because I really wanted to like go line dancing at that bar and get a drink made by Joey from The Circle. And I never got to live that dream. But he's he's great. I really enjoyed the first season dream of it. Dream get for the podcast, Joey from The Circle. Winner of the yeah, circle season one. Yeah, did you just get one. me because he wasn't available? <laughs> yeah, you were number two. Oh, we're trying to get, <laughs> trying to get to him through you. This is called networking. I'm For from sure. Hollywood. I, I don't know if you know what that means. Yeah, no, you get it. You get it. Well, um, I'm not going to help you because that is the whole message of this show, right? Hollywood yeah. people don't help each other. I that is know. exactly that's it. not true. <laughs> we have a long list of people from Rochester. We're going through. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Famously. You have a just a garbage plate next? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God damn. I love the way people eat out there. Garbage plate is like, yeah, it's, it's just like a pile of shit, right? Like, that's the dish. It's like meat and rice and stuff. Pile of shit. Like, okay. Well, there's like I mean, no you... order to it, I'm saying. That's the garbage part. No, that is not true. That is not well, true. Right. That's it what I'm coming to understand. Way. It's no, what, hamburger. It's, and... it's the order is important. You have mac salad and home fries first. That's the layer. And then on top of that, you do the cheeseburger patties or hot dog or grilled cheese. And then you smother it with ketchup, mustard, hot sauce, you whatever go. you're fancy. But you got to you got to have your base level. Yeah. Alex. It's very important. Society Otherwise, needs it's order. Something <laughs> totally different. It's yeah. It's really just like when you think of um, a film set, how it needs order for everything to fall Hollywood into place. It's almost exactly like the same garbage plate. And Hollywood is a garbage plate. Everyone wants to really. be the sauce at the top. But in order for mm -hmm. the sauce to exist, there are layers of hamburger patty and home fries and mac of some kind. Yeah, so I am that mac salad trying to get up to that that yeah. sauce. Right. You start as a home a fry sweet, sweet for three years. Then you get uh -huh. to be the chopped up hot dog. Then you play your cards right. Now you're Zendaya. Wasn't that exciting? God, what I would give to be a chopped up hot the dog. Union effort. Put me on the plate. You know, organizing for better uh, conditions in your workplace is like, um, you know, like it's like making a stronger plate for the, the meal to exist on top of. But really, the end goal is, uh, you know, to, to even outside of this scenario, completely level out uh, the, the order of things altogether, which would be visually represented by stirring the garbage plate together into one soupy mass. 
No. Like you do. Don't do that. After, <laughs> that just be I, I, chili? I, I, yeah, I don't know about the soupy adjective. Well, I guess there. it wouldn't be like. It shouldn't be soupy. Not soupy. All right. It you shouldn't just be chose soupy. the word. It would be more like like a chili or something. <laughs> this man Billy is from is Texas. He's operating on a chili agenda. <laughs> He's infiltrating yeah, garbage not, plate discourse. This is not a Rochester man no. that we are speaking to. All right. To okay. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, I did want to ask you uh, before we go, what is the worst job on set? Oh, my goodness. The worst job on set. Uh, the fluffer. No, that's, it's that's, that's a low Andrew, bar joke. We'll explain um, that later. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like cleaning it's, it's stuff i'm better a... than that i could do better than that um i don't know worst job on set i really think it depends i think it depends on the set i've been on sets where the prompter people were made to cry by the showrunner um and we went through prompter person after prompter person because for some reason the showrunner fixated on them and really um emotionally terrorized them to a d- degree that was very upsetting to me uh how do you make a prompt I, I just think yeah i think i think it depends i think a lot of times pas get a lot of shit because they're usually the first ones there and the last ones to leave um and they're oftentimes the people who get no sleep and get in car accidents and uh it's it's very horrible we said this but on the other part I, of the show I, but this is the first step of the fight in unionizing pas we're doing it we're gonna make it happen yeah oh. Because they're not part of IATSE. Actually, writers, assistants, and script coordinators weren't part of IATSE until very Ooh. recently. Um, so I, I do hope that mm. PAs will be next. Mm. Why not? Bring more into right. the fold. You know? Of course. It does seem like, you know, in any workspace, there's going to be people with power that then have power trips about that. But there's like a specific flavor of it mm-hmm. when it comes to theater people that seems extra not <laughs> fun to get yelled at. Again, is there a single show where people deserve to die to make um, that show? People are dying to make Emily <laughs> in Paris. Not uh, theoretically, oh, theoretically wow. speaking. Yeah. When you think about it, it's, it's pretty traumatizing. SpongeBob people might be dying <laughs> God, to make SpongeBob. No. What a horrible reality we live in. I know it's insane. It's it's when you think about it like that, it's truly like, what are we really doing here? And I love working in TV. Like I'm going, you know, to that person who said, well, why do you have to work this job? You, no one's telling you to be there. Okay, well, no one's telling you to enjoy TV and movies either, but, but you, you, you want it. to. You're a dick. Yeah. Some people have said that The Simpsons has saved us from nuclear catastrophe because it uh, popularized the idea that power plants are run shoddily um, and made Americans more skeptical of them. I don't know, though. The uh, common before our, before our uh, listeners who are pro-nuclear get mad and yell at me. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the best thing I could <laughs> think of. I did just work on a show where the a Simpsons writer ran the show, and it was so smooth. So smooth. Mm. I, that they Those guys, I mean, they're like a well-oiled machine at this point, you know? So he, he ran this show with the best hours I've ever worked, um, best, best pay I've ever gotten. It is possible. We want to run the whole thing like a Simpsons. You, you got it. I mean, there's a reason it's been on the air for so long, you know? Mm, that is a good point. Because it's the king. All right. Well, uh, that's going to round us out for now. Kate, thanks so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on the socials at Kate Zazowski, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I post about stand-up shows on Instagram. And check out my podcast, Straight Guys. It's 
me and Caitlin Reese, who's also a comedian, oh, and we roast straight and gay culture. Um, we've had a lot of queer guests on the show, so it's a lot of no fun. No one is safe. <laughs> no one is safe. Yeah, watch out. You guys are next on our next What the Fuck Straight segment. Would you call, would you call the bump. Would you call the Grinch a part of straight or gay culture? Oh, that is such a good question. A, we have that written down. Could he be like a Babadook <laughs> type is, thing where the more you think about it, you're like, he is kind of queer, isn't he? He really could be a queer icon, I will say. I mean, his heart grew. He really like accepted himself in right. a way. You know, he's really part of like the whole "it gets better" yeah story that so many young queer people experience, and now everyone wants to fuck him. And that's kind of like my experience as a queer person. Okay. Um, suddenly, all the ladies knocking on my door. Right. If your heart grows, it means you're more open to different types of love. There you go. More confident. Yeah. There's a real taboo yeah. for Christmas in the queer community. I've heard that. Is that true? Mm-hmm. A taboo for, for Christmas? What does that mean? Um, you're just, Christmas is kind of like the source of like a lot of uh, uh, intolerance. It's the source of like societal norms. And uh, to be the Grinch, to be the construct of the, the being who's anti-Christmas is actually a rebellion in its own sense. He's anti-trad. I mean, I could see how Christmas... Uh, right. I could see how Christmas is triggering for a lot of people because you relate it to Christianity, you relate it to... Um, family who a lot of queer people do not have a strong connection with a good connection with. Um, so I could, I could see that. I mean, I just think of Christmas as I get presents. Wait, right. that actually, cookies. That's a big so part I'm, of I'm one that, of the lucky ones. That does that's kind privilege. of work as a metaphor. So it should be the, the Grinch queers Christmas, you know? Yeah. I would watch the shit out I of that. I would, I would work on that. Well, show. no, because what the Grinch is doing <laughs> is essentially sort of destroying the nuclear yeah, family. Yeah, he's right? anti trad no, no, this totally works. You right. start off as a bit, but now I'm on board. I think it's real. Yeah, it's. A- I think it's great. And now, now I do want to have sex Elliot. with the Grinch. You've convinced me. That's what this whole thing has been about. Anders, do you have any plugs this week? Oh, we're doing plugs here. Um, at Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley One Instagram. Check out our. Patreon, where we just did a fun app about the history of uh, a queer, uh, another queer icon that all the entire queer community loves universally, Kirsten Cinema, uh, Arizona senator. Another Grinch-like f- figure, right? <laughs> Grinch-like figure. Uh, okay, do not do not do that to the Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> you Grinch, deserve this better. <laughs> Grinched in cinema, more like more like. She, it is like that. Yeah, she's a, she was a Green Party organizer in the early 2000s and anti-war activist, and we go into that history. A lot of fascinating stuff there. Was she? She was, and then she went to this. Yeah, yeah, and she she was wow. a an act. She was an actor actually, apparently a talented actor in a play about circumcision uh, while she was running for city council as a Green. So we go into that history. Check out our Twitch stream as well, Jake. And Alex do a little gaming on what Tuesdays, right? Tuesdays and, at nine. Yes, and I am going to uh, at some point. I haven't figured out the day of the week yet, but uh, I'm going to start doing an unauthorized NFL chat stream. And of course, they just announced this, but football is gay, and so we're going to be celebrating That's huge. it that way. That's huge for me. Yeah. This is an upset for football. Um, follow me on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen and your exciting one-stop shop for uh, uh, new flavors. I put all my things on there. Uh, movie of the week. 
the fucking oh i watched a uh, pulse last night the japanese horror movie mind that that's mine because it's all about what if people were shadows on a wall wouldn't that be frightening and it's october it's frightening very cool um my plugs are everything that we just said check out our patreon we have merch for sale we have a really cool poster i made if you came to or saw our 9-11 show um i am doing stand-up on fest in gainesville at the end of the month like oh, halloween weekend um if you're in that neck of the woods and you're into pop punk and all that shit i just was able to announce it so check it out come see me at fest there's still tickets available i was searching my netflix interface for the last 10 minutes to try to answer the question what is the tv show that requires people to justifiably shed blood and die for to try to find a good answer and i think what i landed on is tiger king murder mayhem and madness needs to get made remember the he's back back. they made a second show that no one watched or comedians and cars getting coffee die for jerry seinfeld uh if you're a pa the world needs to see him God. interviewing. What's the deal the way with he, my altar of blood? The way he talks to uh, just like servers in that show, serving him it coffee, sucks. it's like on camera. He's drunk on he's power. Yeah, yeah, imagine what he's like off camera. That that's That's terrifying. We should also ask, is there a way for listeners to support IATSE in some way? Are there strike solidarity funds or anything? Anything people can do at all. There are uh, there are funds for people who've had issues uh, paying their dues to be an IATSE. Um, let me think. You should follow IA Stories on okay. Instagram. We'll find something. They, they post a, a lot of resources. It's like I think it's IA underscore Stories on Instagram. Um, they've gotten really huge recently, posting people's experiences who are in the union and. Uh, yeah, lots of resources, information, ways people can help and show okay, support. Well, I, Rock and roll. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, well, I was going to yell at Andrews for interrupting my plugs, but then I realized how much more important oh. the thing that you guys are talking about is. Oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were finished. My bad. In, but, but, now, but now we should end the podcast because it makes no sense momentum-wise to go you can edit. This right? is all falling apart. Oh, yeah. It's all falling apart at the My end. My movie of the week is <laughs> Only Lovers Left to Die. It's a great vampire film. All right, now I'm finished. You should watch it. And it's finished. <laughs>